1: Welcome to Bear and Balance. I'm Jeff Burkus, a writer for Windy City Gridiron, and I'm joined by the editor of that fine website, Lester A. Wiltfong, Jr. Lester, the Bears drop another one ugly. They drop to 0-2. Other than that, how are you doing today?
2: Doing good. You know, it's uh, all things considered. It's just uh, it's a tough time to be a Bears fan. You know, it's, uh, you know I, I picked them. I thought they had a chance to beat the Buccaneers, who, you know, even though they beat the, the Vikings in Minnesota week one, Come on, I'm, it's, it's the Bucs, you know. It's it's Baker Mayfield, but Baker Baker Mayfield shredded the Bears. I mean, he looks like a uh, you know he looked like he he looks like the answer at quarterback for the Bucs, which is uh, I guess that's what the Bears are doing on. They're making uh, they're making quarterbacks look great.
1: You know, it's one of those things where early in the week I picked all the games for tally site, you know, a bunch of us at the site do, do this, uh, betting thing. You know, we took, we pick the spread, we pick the money line, we pick the over under. So I picked all the games and at first I picked against the bears because I thought, ah, God, they look so terrible. And then as the week got closer and then I wrote the column for, for, for the, for the weekend. And I focused on the bears and I was like, you know, actually I'm, I'm starting to talk myself into this. I think they're going to bounce back, you know? And I, and I had this, game script in my head and that's how i wrote the the article so you know i came around and then they failed me so that was that was rough
2: spoiler alert we are not going to pick the bears week three
1: uh no no i don't even know what the what the line is but i'm not sure that i'm even going to take them uh... it opened
2: at 13 i think it's come down to 12 and a half
1: okay that's a big line so we'll we'll see we'll see what that happens when we get there but let's talk about this buccaneers game we always start in the trenches with our trench tribute and uh you know there were a couple guys that i think were worthy of mention in this as opposed to last week where it was a little harder to find but who did you identify for your trench tribute this week
2: i gotta go with the big nose tackle andrew billings you know he's just uh he's the guy that that bears fans thought he was when when he was when he was signed i mean he's he's a, a stout run defender But this week he had some good pressure numbers. I think he was, you know, pushing the pocket pretty good there. Um, They didn't get to Mayfield once, you know, no no sacks. I think they had one quarterback hit. You know, he slipped out of, I think, at least two sacks with uh, uh, Yannick Ngakwe. Had him a couple times, he kind of slipped out of. But Billings was pushing the pocket. He only had two tackles, one tackle for loss. But you can see how he could be a piece, you know. You got to find a three-tech, obviously, maybe another edge rusher. You know, but you know, maybe that's uh, uh, Dexter. Maybe it's Pickens. I, I thought Dexter had a pretty nice game too. I went back, kind of watched what he did, and you know, so there are a couple pieces there. It's just not, uh, it's not coming together. But for me, it's buildings this week. How about you? So I
1: took the opportunity after work today, before this show started, to focus in on Jatiri Carter because on the first run through, I thought, I think he's doing some good things, and it's his first start. It's probably a good opportunity to go back and just watch him. And I'd be interested if you, if you end up going back and doing this too uh, to compare our numbers. But overall, I would say that he looked pretty good. I, I graded him out. I tried to use kind of your scale, but um, we'll, we'll see how I did here. But I split it up into run and pass plays. On pass plays, I, th- I had him down for 32 reps. That looked good to me. Uh, two reps that looked bad to me I, I marked them down for there and then I had one rep that I just couldn't really give him a good or a bad it was just sort of it was one of those where it was sort of a run a play action where he pulls the left and uh it, it looks like he's supposed to basically take out you know who's there and then he misses him but that guy doesn't really impact the play and and so i'm like (laughs) i like it wasn't very good but it has like no bearing on the play because fields is rolling out and so i just put it as like a neutral uh and then the the two plays that i the two pass plays that i thought uh weren't very good he gets beat by 96 um pretty fast and it's this first and 10 where fields flushes out to the left and then he kind of Pitches the ball out of bounds. Yeah. Um, that initial pressure was was Carter, and then he had another rep a little later against Vitavea, who walked him backwards. Uh, one of the best players in the in the in the game. So you know whatever. And then in the run game, I had him down for ten reps that I thought looked good. One rep I didn't really know how to how to grade, uh, and then three that I didn't really like. So um, one of them was against Vitavea. <laughs> Which again, again, that's a really happens. good football player. Um, and then uh, there's there's one that was like an outside run uh, where I think it would be like a pin pull action, maybe with the, the tackle where he's supposed to come out around the, the tackle and he just doesn't get out. And I don't know if that was because Wright got pushed back a little bit, knocked him off his mark. Uh, But he got looked like he got a little confused of should he try to go inside of right or should he kind of keep trying to go around him? Uh, He just sort of washed himself out of the play and that that play went nowhere. Uh, And then just overall, I I don't know that he's all of that much of an athlete. Like I I went back, look at his relative athletic score, kind of average. um, And I think you can kind of see that he doesn't necessarily move very well. So as a puller, I'm not sure that I love it, Um, but he was constantly looking for work. Yes. And, and I think that that's good. Even like really fast, like he's, you know, he, you know, he, he, he'd punch Vita Vea here and then he'd look back. If that defensive end was trying to cut inside, he'd move over and he'd try to, he'd try to get a block on, on, uh, on the defensive end. So like really like active eyes and, and trying to look for work. He's not really, uh, you know, just loafing around. Like he was definitely taking that opportunity of his first start. So overall, I thought that was a pretty good First effort for a guy that was a very late round draft pick, making his first start, uh, and certainly worthy of talking about here in the Trench
2: Tribute. Yeah, I thought he had a nice game. You know, I mean, that, that's the one thing hard when you go back and, and grade these players is, you know, we don't know the plays, we don't know the play call, we don't know their assignments each play. You know, what what could be something that we, we were taught back in the day as an assignment football, maybe the Bears coach it differently. I mean, there, there's 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 several ways you can do the, the same thing. It's just all about what what are his rules on each play. So, yeah, I mean, I, going back and watching it, I didn't I didn't focus in on, the, on him too intently. But but what I saw from him, I liked. It. That's a good pick for Trent Tribute this week.
1: Yeah, uh, so we'll see if he has any more opportunities to get some playing time. We're not sure what the Nate Davis situation is. If he's going to come back, we we learn. Uh, you know, at some point, a couple days ago, I think that, you know, he wasn't going to travel with the team. A lot came out about that. I think maybe we just kind of talked about that here. Uh, a lot came out about it. Um, the bears are not very good about giving anybody anything. It's a, it's a very cloistered environment. It is what it is. Not saying that we deserve any of that information or anything like that. Uh, the bears could do themselves some favors by having a better relationship with media, even if that's off the record, but I digress. Uh, we found out that uh, Nate Davis was dealing with a, a an ailing family member who passed away. Uh, so that what was why he was not able to uh, travel with the team and he's, you know, taking care of his, his personal matters. Obviously you should be doing that. Um, that is uh, more important than football. And, and so a little bit in terms of people overreacting, not understanding what's going on in this young man's life. Um, you know, a lot of shots been taken because he signed a nice big contract I think it's just a good reminder to people like you don't know what's going on in someone's life. So it's not really worth having the hot take and going on out there. You know, we criticize this football a little bit. Right. We criticize some of the stuff that we you know, why isn't this guy practicing? You know, we're we're not we don't really have complete information, but we certainly weren't going after the guy. Right. And, 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 And now you kind of learn this guy was going through some stuff. You know, maybe maybe we just set this set this aside for a little bit. Let him get back in a football mindset. Let him get back in a football shape before we get back to judging Nate Davis the football player.
2: Like you said, the Bears don't do themselves any favors. I mean, ultimately, it's up to Nate Davis. You know, if Peter wants information public, you know, somehow it leaked anyway. I mean, it happened. Uh, The media had, uh, I think, Biggs had it from Trib. I think uh, Courtney had it from uh, ESPN. So it got out there eventually, anyway. There are ways the Bears could spin this where they're protecting the player. They're not giving out any information, but just making it very clear. You know what? Nate Davis is dealing with the personal matter. Um, we're not going to get into it, you know, at this time. Just understand that if he could be here, he'd be here, but he has, you know, more important things besides football. I mean, it's something simple like that they can do. And like you said, also stuff off the record, you know, let some of the beat guys know, you know, what's happening. So at least they can kind of frame the narrative. Cause you know th- there's some people that are like upset because he's hiding a huge contract. You know they expect him to be out there, so it happens. It is what it is. Uh, you know it's uh, it's happening with with the uh, the the uh, D coordinator Alan Williams. Now he's got some stuff away from the team for personal reasons. No one knows what's going on there. Again, the Bears haven't really said what's happening. We just hope it's uh, nothing too serious and he'll be back soon to to get back to his job.
1: You know, I just a quick history note. You know, I've done a fair amount of reading about. george hallis and george
2: hallis you are freezing my friend i don't know if it's on my end, or your would let end.
1: a lot of well it's my end but uh basically okay. george hallis would uh ha- had a very cozy relationship with with media and he would basically play a little bit favorites like you you know the guys that would give him good coverage he would give more information to uh that is not how things are done, maybe today, but it's certainly not how the Bears are doing things uh, at all. Because I don't really see many, if anybody, getting that kind of treatment. But uh, let's let's move on to uh, the the Twitter, the X, whatever portion of the program where we talk about the sweet tweets of the week. Sweet. When and I got to tell you, not so sweet. No, not so <laughs> sweet this week. So why don't we start off with yours?
2: Sure, um, mine is from at Tommy K underscore NFL Draft. Uh, these days, he's going by the Khalil Herbert Stan account. Uh, but he tweeted out, rookie Bears cornerback Tyreek Stevenson was targeted eight times, gave up six catches for 143 yards and a touchdown. Zion McCollum, who was filling in for the Bucks' best cornerback, was only targeted four times. This is a clear indication of which offense actually had a plan. Luke Getzi, my friend, what is happening? You know, I mean... Yes, Justin Fields probably should have targeted the, the the young Zion McCollum a little more who was, you know, filling in for Carlton Davis, who was injured for the Bucks. But we've talked about how teams are going to attack Stevenson because he's a rookie corner. You're not going to go after Jalen Johnson. They're going to go after the other guy. There was just no plan. I mean, it was uh discombobulated from the start. You know, we've seen it now two weeks in a row. You know, what exactly is the plan here from Luke Getzey? When you see other offenses running the NFL operate, you understand, oh, yeah, this is what they're trying to do. This is their bread and butter. You know, this is their identity. Two games into the season, we thought we were going to see an identity from similar to last year. The stuff that worked, let's build off that. We're not seeing any of that. I don't know what Luke Etsy is as a play caller. I don't know what his scheme is. I don't know what he wants to be. So it's uh, what exactly do you do here <laughs> exactly? So who knows?
1: Yeah, and I think uh, I'll just bring up mine because it's also a Luke Ketsy tweet. So uh, this is number one Bears fan, uh, happens to be uh, related to me, but at Berkis Julie would be my mother, uh, says, okay, this very frustrated fan really is questioning why we chose a quarterback coach from the Packers to coach uh, our quarterback. He apparently doesn't have a clue what Justin does well. I've come to the conclusion the Bears don't know how to have a good quarterback. And there's a lot of talk about that, Uh, a lot of talk about just the Bears history with quarterbacks, how bad that's been. Uh, You know, I I saw a tweet and said the entire history of the Bears has there's never been a quarterback drafted and developed. And I'm like, you don't actually need to do the like hyperbole here. Sid Luckman was drafted, developed and was a Hall of Fame quarterback. Johnny Lujak was drafted somewhat developed before he retired early, who was a first-team all-pro quarterback. Just say 70 years. Like, yeah. it's a gigantic amount of, th- or just say Super Bowl era, right? But there's, yeah. a, there's a, you know, some, well, it never has happened. Well, it's, it hasn't happened in your lifetime, or it hasn't, you know, happened in the relevant, you know, <laughs> Super Bowl era. Okay, that's enough. Like, we don't need to just forget about the first 30, 40 years of of professional football. But the point stands that we the Bears just don't do this very well. They, they just do not have a, a good approach and and then they don't execute the plan. Uh, a lot of this is with alignment of the general manager, head coach, and quarterback, right? Like where these guys are not picked all at the same time. And I think right now what we're seeing and what we're dealing with is you have a defensive head coach with no track record that was hired in after you drafted Justin Fields and he brought in a guy who's never called plays before these guys had zero track record and you had a very young quarterback and so what what was that (laughs) like why does it the Packers thing is just is what it is but like why was that the approach that you took with a young quarterback that needed to be coached in the right direction and you took huge swings with unknown coaches uh, at the head coach level and at the offensive coordinator level
2: this was the big talk before they made the hire for Coach Eberflus was, okay, if, if you believe in Justin Fields as a franchise, you know, if whoever comes in, you want to have to have someone that supports that. This is why a lot of fans were on Brian Dable. Um, you know, pretty much all the offensive type guys as Bears fans, we assume, okay, they're going to bring in one of those guys because you want to have a guy that comes in that can learn and grow with your franchise quarterback, you know. Maybe Ryan Poles at the time went and sold on Justin Fields, which, I don't know, seems kind of odd. But, hey, it, it is what it is. Maybe that's what happened. And that's why he's, like, went his own direction. And and Coach Flutes and him were kind of like a pair. Who knows? Uh Just at this point, like you said, things don't line up. So here we are again. If, let's say, something happens where, like, it turns out the whole Getsy, the whole Fields, the whole thing just blows up and something happens and now you're restarting again uh, is – Will polls be allowed to bring the new coach in? Will will there be a new a new rebuild started with a new quarterback? And if that's the case, I don't want this regime anywhere near that. I mean, if 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 it if it goes south this year, and there's an a, just a, a, a terrible terrible you know two three win season again. If you clean house, clean house, let Kevin Warren bring in his own GM, his own head coach, let them figure out the quarterback situation. If you're going to blow it up, blow it up completely.
1: Two things. One, do you think that Luke Getze gets fired in season? And where do you think that that watch starts? That's my first question. I'll let you answer that now.
2: It's tough with the Chiefs coming up because my guess is they're going to get destroyed. So you're making a determination based on that game. Then after that, you got Denver, you know, so maybe after the Denver game, we saw Getze's offense struggle last year early, and then they figured it out about, uh, was it week five with with the Washington Commanders game where the started clicking? They didn't get any points that game, but they put up like 400 or some yards. They went on a nice six game stretch. You're like, okay, Luke Getze's kind of showing an identity, what he wants to be as a play caller. You kind of see something happen, but there's no talent. I'm guessing about the same. I mean, when you get like week five, week six, if it hasn't changed, I think he might be the scapegoat.
1: Second thing is that the Hall, the McCaskey, Hallis, that that line, they inherited this team. Okay. They're not independently wealthy billionaires that bought a team that have other money. So they don't necessarily have the cash flow that a lot of other teams do. Not every team is is bought by some some other billionaire that has only owned it for a few years, right? Or an ownership group or whatever. You know, there's others that are family run. But this team doesn't have the resources that's, that you might expect. You just assume that these guys have billions of dollars on hand. That is not true for the Chicago Bears ownership group. And so we saw George McCaskey keep Ryan Poles and Matt Nagy when it was very clear that he Ryan needed Pace. clean health. Yeah, Ryan Pace. Pace, sorry. Pace Nagy, First yeah. time I've done that, but I did it the the, the, the reverse. Um he kept them an extra year and it was very clear that that needed to be cut right then. Yeah. But he kept them, I think in large part because he didn't want to pay out the contracts and you're in a situation where you're only two years in to these contracts now. And the only time as pointed out by our friend Bill Zimmerman, the only time that that's happened in any kind of recent history where the Bears have fired a coach with multiple years left on their con- original contract was Mark Tressman, who completely lost the locker room and they had absolutely no choice but to but to separate ties at that point. So do you think that the money would hold them back from making a move?
2: History tells you it would yeah I mean you would hate to see it happen. I mean, it's a results-based business. Obviously, owning an NFL team, uh, you would hope that it wouldn't, but man, just based on what George McCaskey and the, and the whole regime that they've always done, yeah, I think this is going to happen. And, 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 I mean, if bottom really falls out, if it's like a 2-3 win team, I mean, I think their hand will be forced. But if if they, you know, sneak their way to like five wins, you know, they'll talk themselves and, and they'll talk to the fans into, you know, polls and flus to the right guy. It was, it was, you know, let's, let's change the coordinators. Let's get a new quarterback and we'll, we'll reset that again. So I, I think one thing this team, this team does, whatever happens, you know, they got to get the trenches taken care of. You know, they got to get that figured out. It doesn't matter who they bring in. You know, I'm not saying it's all on the trenches because some of the issues we've seen is, is on the quarterback, not making the right reads, but, you know, let, let's get the trenches built up first, and then let's try and build the skill guys around that. that. That's what winning football is all about.
1: Well, let's move on to the stat of the week. Caught up in a numbers game. Uh, both of ours are are not good. They're not yeah. fun, but uh, we'll
2: let you start. My number this week is three, and uh, that is the, uh, the the three consecutive screen passes there towards the end of the game. Uh, that Luke gets, he called. And of course the third one was the, uh, the pick six by, by Shaq Barrett. You now I went back in, cause I heard him talking about three screens. So uh, I heard it talk about it on a lot of social media, kind of went back and watched it. And that first one, I guess, maybe they weren't, maybe that wasn't the primary thing, but it sure looked like Phil Herbert was kind of leaking inside for the same type of screen here. Then the second one, it works. The first one was, it was a penalty um on the defense. The second one was a penalty uh, on the offense the third one was the pick six, so it's like, you know, come on, dude. I mean, let's say it was just two in a row. Why are you running two in a row, let alone three? In, like, what What are you doing? That is just a terrible decision. It's almost like he just said, the hell with it. Do it again, you know? It's like, what are you doing at that point? Have you given up as a play caller? I mean, do you have no pride in what you're doing? Like, like why would that be what you decide to do? I, I just didn't understand it.
1: I mean, was he playing Madden? Right? Like where he's like, ah, oh, man, I'm just going to hit the same play again. Like even the Madden, you know, artificial intelligence defense will adapt to you when you do that, right? So none of them makes sense. Uh, our friend Jonathan Wood said, this in and of itself is a fireball offense to Luke Gutsy. And I
2: yeah.
1: kind of agree. Like, what was the score at the time? You're down three. Like it's, it, the game
2: is still in reach and you do two minutes and like, like 12 seconds left. I mean, there was plenty of time.
1: Yeah, uh, there was a I, I had to watch this at a bar, uh, a Bears themed bar, by the way. And nice. the guy next to me at some point, he goes, all I want, all I want is Justin Fields with the ball in his hands late in the game with an opportunity to win this. And then that happened. <laughs> and I just looked at the guy I'm like, well, I mean, you got what you wanted. You got the you got the opportunity. I don't know, man. I don't know what the heck was happening there. Uh, my number is twelve. I know that is, this is consecutive losses <laughs> by the Chicago Bears. That is a franchise record. Uh, it, they've had the franchise record going for a while. I think previously it was only like eight or something like that. Yeah. And so this is this is bad when you're you know you're extending uh, your own franchise record for losses that ties for the thirty fourth longest streak in NFL history. They're almost certainly going to lose next week. Uh, again, you're down you're You're a 13 point underdog. That's implied odds. You're like you're going to lose that game. Like 97% of the time yeah. uh, that uh, a 13 game losing streak ties you for 25th longest. Like you move oh. up you start to move up here pretty quick. Uh, the longest streak is held by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's 26 games. The second longest streak uh, I believe is 20 games. And so that's, Uh, that's by the Jags from 2020 to 2021. So part of this, there's some winnable games here. I don't know that the bears are going to get up to 20, 20 losses in a row, but if they keep playing like they did, it's everything's on the table. Yeah. What, what I was asking, what I was thinking about asking was the Jags finished back to back years with the number one pick. And that, I mean, that is bottoming out, but the Jags look like they're legitimate team this year, right? They, you know, they've got Trevor Lawrence, they've got, you know, they've got a lot of young players, they've got a good coach. So they're coming out of it finally, right? Whereas I'm sure that their fans thought after that one terrible year where they got the number one pick that everything's going to be okay, they're going to move up. And I'm kind of wondering as Bear fans, if we thought that the bottom was hit and we're coming out of it, but really we're just now scraping the bottom.
2: Yeah. I mean, that, that make I mean, that makes sense. Let's let's look at the Jags real quick. What they did, you know, they got rid of urban Meyer that they realized that was a mistake. And what do they do? They have Trevor Lawrence in at quarterback. What do they do? Let's go get Doug Peterson. They hire let's go no get a, a proven offensive guy, you know, and then you know what? let's make a trade for a, uh, for Calvin Ridley, you know, and then have him come in, you know, I know it's a year away, but let's, let's get another guy for our guy and, and let's build it up and, you know, yeah, they lost against the Chiefs this last weekend, but you know that, that team's on on the up, upswing. You know, they're they're doing things the right way. And you know, it's just it's interesting when you put the right pieces around a young quarterback, how he can thrive in compared to what you know what the Bears are doing with Justin Fields. Yep, fun numbers
1: this week. Uh this show numbers. is not very balanced this week, damn it. What do you want from us? Yeah. Uh let's do the fields report. So okay. 16 of 29 for 211 yards. So he does cross the 200 yard mark again. Yeah, uh, He had one, one touchdown, two interceptions, bad ball, uh, bad ball on the first interception. Uh, second one was that pick six that we talked about on the screen took six sacks. And uh, you've got some work this week, my friend on sack watch. I, in my initial watch through, I have a hard time pinning many of those on the offensive line. Maybe there's some sort of coverage sack issue uh, it just looks like he's just kind of sitting back there and, and getting a little, uh, you know, deer in the headlights look at some point, which is weird because last year he would just make those a 30 yard gain. So I don't, I don't know what's happening. Here's one though. Four carries for three yards and a touchdown. Justin Fields, the best, one of the best running options in the league, uh, you know, particularly at the quarterback position as Four carries for three yards, and only one of those was a designed run.
2: Have they coached it out of him? Is what I want to know. I mean, yeah, it's 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 horrible. Like when the game ended, you know, I saw three yards. I, I right away went to the Pro Football Reference and I looked up, you know, what are his fewest rushing yards in his career? And it's three. He, he tied his his low mark, and those three rushing yards he had previously that came in the his first game of his career against the Rams. When he was only used a couple plays, it's kind of as a change up, you know, where, where, where Matt Nagy wanted to get him out there. So I think he had a three yards rushing. He had one touchdown that game on the goal line. But that was it. And and, and you, you mentioned it. You know, some of those sacks he took were his fault. He kind of stood there too long. And why isn't he taking off? You know, one of the reasons why it's easier to take off when you have more sprint outs, when you have more rollouts, you have more bootlegs, when you're in the pocket you know, and the pocket collapses around you because you are waiting too long. You know, you're going to take some sacks. And he clearly took some of those on his own. I haven't broken it down yet. I started watching the all 22 today, just brutal. You know, like some of the stuff, some of the stuff that came on Twitter today, a lot of the, a lot of the, the, the former quarterbacks, um, a lot of the guys that do these, these external breakdowns, you know, uh, JTO Sullivan, Tim Jenkins, uh, Dan Orlovsky, a lot of these guys are they're, they're on Twitter today and, you know, on social media talking about how, yes, it's Justin Fields. But, you know, they also had a lot of blame on, on the scheme, the play calling, you know, the the route concepts, you know, two guys next to each other. Like, what is this? Why? Like, why is this still happening? You know, we saw it with Nagy every now and again. And here we are with Getz—you Like, like what what's happening? I mean, it's if it happens once, you're like, well, maybe it's the player. Screwing up. Maybe he went the wrong way when he should have went out. He went in, but it's happening too much. So it's like this is what he's coaching I'm up to do. I don't understand it. It's uh he's got to get better, you know. I mean, at some point, and like like the picture I chose today for my uh the, the stats article, when I saw that picture, it just made me sad. It, it's him and Baker Mayfield. If you haven't seen it yet, go to winnie City Gridiron. He has this look in his eye. Justin Fields does. And look, I'm not trying to to to, to Body language, you know, uh, body language, uh, the, what is happening here. But he just got looking look in his eye like, what the F is going on? He just looks defeated. I just I just felt when I saw the picture made me sad. I'm like, I got to use this picture today because, you know, this guy, you know, something has to change, you know. And I don't think they're going to fire Gutsy, but they got, they, got to, they got to mix it up. Get him on the move. Let him get out there. You know, make the game easy for him by letting him be an athlete.
1: Yeah, it's his greatest strength right now. You got to lean into that. You got to make that a percentage of what he does. Can't be everything he does, right? But it certainly needs to be uh, a portion of it to get him into the game and make him feel comfortable, let him make plays, gain that confidence, right? And it also make those defenders respect it, you know, that all those defenders fear him. And so you voluntarily taking that part away from his game that they fear is just giving them an easy victory. Uh, the only other, the best construction I could say here too, is that, uh, the Bucks have a lot of experience on the defensive line. They have they're they uh, they're disciplined rushers, right? There's not a lot of freelancing. So, you know, maybe some of that is just really disciplined rushing, uh, and, and collapsing that pocket in as a unit rather than, you know, just like one guy winning all the time. There's a little bit of that too, but like uh, the, there, there was, I think some good, just like disciplined rushing where it just kind of collapsed in on him and he didn't really have anywhere to go. Uh, and that can happen with a good defensive line unit. So, um, that's best construction. And I don't want to like excuse anything for anybody, uh, cause there were plenty of times where he needed to just pull the trigger and he didn't. And that happened last week too. But again, did they try to coach the Justin Fields out of Justin Fields? Uh, that's maybe an issue here, right? Like if you coach, the thing that makes him special out of him, as opposed to highlighting it and making, putting him in a situation where he can take advantage of that, score you points, you know, get you chunk gains, all that kind of stuff, and then play off of that, uh, to do the other things that you want to do to move your offense. Uh, you know, I'm not sure I like your plan and I'm not sure that you're going to be employed much longer by the Chicago bears. If you continue with that plan,
2: uh, you know, Justin Fields was voted by the players, a top hundred player in the NFL. It wasn't because of his passing skills. Let's be honest. He didn't have a very good year last year passing the ball. He was efficient, but it wasn't, you know, eye-popping numbers. He was voted because defenses fear him because they know what he can do. Any, anytime he drops, he drops back, you know, anytime he, he has a designed run, he can go all the way. And we saw last year he set the record for the longest, uh, um, the most 50-yard touchdown runs, I guess, of our quarterback. He had 1,000 yards rushing. You know, the league saw that the league is afraid of that. And then here we have the Bears saying, well, you know, let's worry about the check down now. You know, let's get out of here with that crap.
1: Okay, let's take a quick break on the other (laughs) side of this. We'll talk about everybody's favorite segment, the three Bears. Stick with us.
3: Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com.
1: All right, Lester, three bears, hot bowl of porridge, cold bowl of porridge, and just right. Let's kick it off with the hot bowl of porridge we got.
2: So it's, again, the spirit of this is a guy that performs, is performing better than I, than I thought he would. And I'm going to go with rookie right tackled, Darnell, Wright You know, I expect him to struggle this year, and he has struggled a little bit. But from week one to week two, he got better. Um, you just see it in his past sets, you see it in his in his aggression. You know, I thought he'd be struggling a little more than he has been. So that right away I'm surprised there. Even even last week in, in as against the Packers, you know, he he had a pretty nice game. And, you know, he's growing. I mean, he looks like he's gonna be the guy there at right tackle for a long time. And there's some issues on the left side, a lot of penalties happening over there, Braxton Jones, but but the right side, Darnell Wright, he gets the hot bowl this week for me.
1: I like it. You know, yeah, I think that he's certainly looked like he has that pedigree. Uh looks pretty good in pass pro overall, right? And again, you know, yeah, he's getting he's learning, right? There there's some there's some pretty good uh rushers that he's been going against that have uh, taught him a thing or two. But I think you have confidence that, you know, by the middle of the year, hopefully you're gonna see him really step into that, understand the professional week to week, you know, pick up some, some tricks along the way. Uh, You know, again, you you hope Nate Davis comes back. We've seen film on Nate Davis that he's a good football player. You hope that that right side of the line solidifies. You hope Tevin Jenkins comes back and can get that left guard spot nailed down, move Cody Whitehair back to center, right? Like you kind of hope that that original plan comes back in and you kind of see everything really settled down, you know, here in the next few weeks. Um, and he's a big, he's a big part of that, right? Like they, they signed a tight end Mercedes Lewis to be a caddy for him, uh, so that he can, you know, you don't put him out on a Island very often. Mercedes Lewis hasn't had very many reps. They, they must feel a little more comfortable putting, uh, putting him out there on, on the Island a little bit more frequently. So, you know, maybe they should have a few more reps, but I think overall, like that's a pretty good sign that they trust him. Yeah. How about you? Uh for me um I, I understand the spirit is better than what you think necessarily but sometimes you just got to give the guy that performs the hot bullet porch and that's dj moore uh on a on a day where justin fields only has 211 yards half of them go to dj moore uh he's only has one target that he hasn't caught in two games uh hey this guy's really good at football uh good things happen when you get him the ball and the the the, the this confirms that this offense needs to run through DJ Moore. He's yes, I, sure. not sure that bears fans fully realize just how good of a football player he is. Uh, you know, why would you watch a lot of Panthers games? And if you did, you know, they've had a quarterback carousel the last few years. They've been kind of all over the place, but he's still performed at a pretty high level, even with all of those, all those quarterbacks. This is a guy that could put, he could have had, you could have doubled those targets. And he probably would have kept up with about the same level of efficiency. I mean, he could have put up 175 yards if they would have made him the primary piece of this offense yesterday. That's not a crazy thought. There's receivers that are doing that and he's as good as, as those guys, right? Like I'm not saying he's Justin Jefferson, because Justin Jefferson right now is sort of in a league of his own, right? Jamar Chase isn't doing anything this year. Jamar Chase is a really good football player. But DJ Moore deserves to be mentioned in that those ne- that next category. You know, Tyreek Hill probably won above. After that, though, I, I don't care. Like you can start talking about DJ Moore, and he deserves to be in there. So for me, uh confirmation that he's everything I thought he would be, and he deserves this hot bowl of porridge.
2: Well, we talked about it last week, you know, Luke Etsy had an offense in, in Green Bay where he saw an offense that ran through a, a top receiver in Devontae Adams. I'm not saying Moore is that guy because, you know, Adams is, you know, when he was younger, he was, he was really damn good. But you got to run it through D.J. Moore. I mean, you got to scheme him up. You know, we saw it happen. I mean, seven targets, six uh, catches, 104 yards. I want to see more. Seven targets, caught six of them. Let's target him 12 times a game. Let's see what happens.
1: The Rams targeted Puka Natua, uh, Nakua uh, like <laughs> like 15 times. Yeah. You know, you don't. There's not a limit. They don't penalize you if you if, if you target a guy too much. Like it's, that's not a thing. Just keep throwing the ball. It's fine. Yeah. Make them stop it before you know. It, oh, we got to save that. We well, know we can't. We can't target him too. No. Just keep keep
2: throwing him the ball. Keep throwing the player. ball. Yeah. All right. Let's flip it around. bull porch, What do you got? This easily could have went to Luke Etsy I mean, I think, uh, you know, it could have went to Justin Fields, you know. But but mm-hmm. I'm going to go with the the Bears' pass defense. I kind of mentioned earlier, they gave up over 300 yards passing uh, to Baker Mayfield. And, and a b- big part of that was the reserve safeties. Uh, the Bears lost both Eddie Jackson to a foot injury. He was on uh, most of the game. They lost Jaquan Brisker to uh, dehydration. Uh, he missed about a half of football. So we got to see Elijah Hicks and uh, Quindell Johnson
1: did not and, know that was a human person until yesterday that,
2: that is that is the bears uh they, they signed him as on the waivers and yeah, he he came in there and now he's your your fourth safety so you're forced to play hicks and and johnson look it's not entirely their fault cuz this is just who they are i mean johnson's a undrafted uh, free agent hicks is a seventh round pick last year they're just not very good you know which which brings me to ryan Poles. you know why did you feel your safety room was good enough with just, you know, basically two guys that you trust and a couple guys that are just bad. You know, you tell me Ryan Pulse couldn't have found a a veteran out there that has experienced – because, you know, a lot of those guys are kind of still looking for work. I'm not saying necessarily uh, DeAndre Houston Carson's a guy because maybe he's cooked at this point in his career because he had a shot with the Ravens and they cut him. But you could have found a guy. You could have found a veteran that comes in uh, at least gives you some 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 uh, peace of mind knowing. Okay, if Jackson goes down, if 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 Brisker goes down like a like a haha ha Clinton Dix, you know, uh, one year vet min deal type of guy, you could have found a guy like that. But instead, Elijah Hicks and Quindell Johnson, and they they were bad. I mean, they missed some tackles. There were a few where they just like like what are you doing? You know, you're not going to wrap up. You're going to just hit him and just kind of you know let let them bounce off you and make a play. So the cold is the pass defense, but you know, special mention to Hicks and Johnson and Ryan Poles for what the hell, man! Go out there and get some some veterans. I understand it's a rebuild year still in in your mind that you uh, you know you don't want to spend too much, but you could have got a a, a one year guy. Uh, Ryan Poles.
1: Do we on. do we need to have a section uh, a segment that's just called "What the Hell, Man"?
2: What the hell, man?
1: Because that feels like a recurring theme so far. Uh, I've I've got uh, we we've covered most of it, so I'll just throw out some some fun stuff. Cold bowl porridge to to football coaches that wear sweatshirts when it's ninety plus degrees and humid. It, the heat index in Tampa was hundred and eight at game time, game time. Hundred and eight. Matt Averyflus and a lot of those coaches on the sidelines are wearing sweatshirts. They are sweating like crazy. What are you doing? Like, I I don't understand this. Trent, we go to camp. These guys are wearing long, they're wearing sweatshirts. What is this? Is this like high school wrestling? You're trying to cut weight. Like, I I don't understand this. It's the dumbest thing. Just put on some sunscreen and wear a short sleeve shirt, wear some sort of Nike wicking, whatever, right? Be comfortable. That cannot be comfortable down on the sidelines, just dripping, pouring sweat. And I didn't even have a hat on. You could see his hair just like pasted to his forehead. Like miserable, dude. That's a terrible look. It is a terrible look. Do not do that. Don't understand football coaches doing that. Uh, Cold bowl of porridge cut, probably because they need to cool their body down. They they might like it. They might like the the cold bowl of porridge. Uh, The other one is the, I don't want to be referee Twitter. That is the most blatant. offensive pass interference push-off oh, by Mike Evans that I've never seen in yeah. my life that just didn't get called I mean it's not very often when the the corner just like falls down because he's pushed so Mike Evans is a big dude that's like yeah. the Gronk thing like Gronk could never get away with any of that because he was so big and strong that he pushed guys over and and he didn't even look like he was pushing that hard Evans is big like he is a tall big dude he pushed off and then it was a 60 yard that this game was not that out of reach. Like that is a huge play. That's a huge momentum shift. Uh, just a unbelievable blown call by that referee step in a, in a close game. So
2: they get a cold bull from me as well. I like it. Yeah. I understand that play would have happen. Obviously we're bears fans. What's so we always look at the kind of stuff, but, yeah, what was it? You know, it made no sense there. You know, that was just like you said, so blatant. Like, like what are you doing? I, I know a few years ago they were allowed to uh the refs or I'm sorry, the the coaches were allowed to challenge uh interference penalties. I think at some point they they stopped that, did they? They didn't do just that. Just one
1: year was that Sean Payton thing because like they, they got posed. yeah, yeah. Well, I think it was like a like, a, okay, Sean, we'll let them for one year. And then like, they no. never reversed any of them, even when they were obvious.
2: It was like a ah, really yeah. weird thing. Like they let him get his way and then they sort of just took the rule away. Terrible, terrible. I, I, if you're going to let him let him challenge stuff, let him, let him challenge everything. That's what I say.
1: Uh, well, or just do your job and uh, call obvious things. Because it's at the point of attack. Like sometimes like, oh, that was a hold. And it's like, yeah, it's backside. Like, you know, they're not looking there. No, just stop. Easy, yeah. But if it's point of attack you have to be able to see that and again he then turns around and he runs for it was i think it was a 60 yard pass play so yeah. it's a, it was a huge play in the game Big and play. really annoying all right just right what do you got for the just right bowl
2: you know i had a couple here um i, I had a, i want to make sure we talked about somewhere but you kind of mentioned him in your hot dj more you know we expect that kind of production we expect 100 yards a week out of dj more that's what we expect we, we want them targeted more i mean seven is nice but I want more, you know, out of him, but but I'm going to go with the, the two inside linebackers. You know, they had really good games. You know, they combined for 28 tackles, uh, Tremaine Edmonds, TJ Edwards. You know, we expected them both to be tackling machines. That's why they were signed or brought in to do this. You know, you'd like to see your, your D-line make a few more plays in front of them so they're not forced to do it all themselves. But, you know, they're running around. They're making plays. This is what you expect out of these guys. They get, they're getting paid a lot of money. You know, so I'm going Edmonds and Edwards, those guys that had a nice uh, a nice game this week. But again, that's what we want out of these guys. We expect Chicago, our linebackers, to make plays, and that's what they're doing.
1: Yeah, I thought uh, Edwards particularly, I think I thought played pretty well. Edmonds got washed out of one run that I wasn't very happy. He took a bad angle, and you're that athletic, but you're not. You're not Superman, you know. You, you still yeah. got to follow some rules here, uh, and that that sort of thing can happen. I think I end up popping for like an eight, eight, ten yard run or something like that. But they're good football players, and you know, if you if you have the defensive line that can keep off of them, you know, they'll clean up a lot of stuff. Again, it's sort of a backwards move, right? Like uh, I think we like to see things built inside out. Start with the trenches, and then you kind of go outwards, both yeah. on the offense and the defensive side. If you can build up that defensive line. You can maybe scrimp and save a little bit with linebackers, uh, but like it helps the linebackers regardless. Um, Bears sort of did the opposite, right? They sort of built with some secondary and then they signed some linebackers and then they're trying to just kind of piece together the, the, the interior. And and they've got a couple of young guys they are trying to develop now this year. Uh, But, you know, they're, I don't know. They're kind of pitching inside out. They're, they're working it backwards, but but those guys are good football players. Good to see. Uh, for me, and this one, people are going to disagree with it, and that's fine. Mine's Chase Claypool. Uh, not an efficient day, which is exactly what I expect of him. Uh, he caught three catches on eight targets, which is terrible, but like, that's actually the scouting report on Chase Claypool, is that he's not an efficient pass catcher. Um, but he caught a touchdown, and he came out, fired up, and had some pretty decent blocks. Like He looked like he was motivated, and so he – Apologize to the team last week for his effort. He he got that penalty, right? Like he's, you know, he's being aggressive, but he got a penalty, so he's not playing smart. So I know, again, you're going to make fun of me for, for saying this. This is pretty much what I expect out of Chase Claypool is sort of this mercurial figure where he's kind of bouncing up and down. And this was overall, like he made a couple plays. He made a couple mistakes. He was a little bit inefficient.
2: That's Chase Claypool. In the spirit of the the category. the spirit of the war. You know, it's just what we expect out of a guy. And that's true. I mean, that's who Chase Claypool is. I mean, he he, he had a a really bad missed block on Justin Fields' touchdown. It didn't matter. But it is what it is. He had a couple nice blocks in the game. He had the penalty. You know, I'm curious on that penalty. Is there a timing thing? A lot of times maybe he kind of jumped the gun. But maybe the timing was a bit off. Who knows? I'll have to go back and look at that a little little deeper. But, yeah. Did you hear what he said?
1: What did he say? He said that he thought that it was a run play. Oh yes, 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 yes. But they just replayed it. Yeah, I don't know what that was. That was the second time around. Anyway, uh, yeah, no, he.
2: Anyway. He is he is who we thought he was. This He's is exactly inconsistent. Uh, yeah.
1: And this coaching staff—that's—that's that's a guy that you're trying. You're in the right system and the right coaching. They get the most out of it. To be honest, that is Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh gets the most out of wide receivers. They continue to turn them out. And then when those wide receivers leave, even if they're super talented, sometimes they're, they don't do quite as well. And some of these personalities sort of get unleashed on the rest of the league. Antonio Brown being the prime example and all of the issues that came out of that. Right. And so Pittsburgh's like, Oh man, he's a Pittsburgh wide receiver. Yeah. We want that guy. Well, there's no better situation than Pittsburgh for wide receivers. So when they leave, they may not perform quite as well, um, elsewhere. So, you know, buyer beware, I guess would be, would be for that. That's the three bowls of porridge. Uh, what else you got? Anything else going on? Ready to close the book uh, on the
2: Buccaneers game? Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready to look forward to the Chiefs because this is not going to be a fun week. You know I mean? It's, uh, it's not as bad as last week having to, to rehash the Packer game over and over because that's that lingered. I mean, the, the the beat writers were talking about that game the whole all the way up to Wednesday or Friday's presser, partly because it's the Packers. You know, and the, the, so much went wrong. So hopefully, it's not as bad this week. Hopefully, they even they will leave the the Bucks behind. But, but then you look forward to the Chiefs. You're like, oh man, it's just going to be so so much worse. And you know, I mean, the last time they played the Bears the chiefs. I mean, that was the Mahomes, the revenge game, so to speak, right? Where he was making sure he, the bears knew they passed on him. And, you know, so hopefully that's out of his system. Now he does have to, to to pay them back, but then you got the whole Nagy situation. Nagy's over there. He's going yeah. against a team that kind of did him dirty in his mind. Right. So maybe he's going to want Mahomes to kind of, you know, maybe he's talking up behind the scenes. So, this could be a, a, a 50 burgers type of game coming up here for the, uh, for the chiefs.
1: I got a call from a friend who lives in Kansas city He's a chiefs fan went, you know, went to high school with this guy and, uh, and he's like, Hey man, are we getting nagged? And I was like, what? And he's like, like oh, our offense just looks terrible. <laughs> and I'm thinking, Oh, come on, man. Like, you know, I, I get it. Like they didn't look very good in the opening week and you know, all this kind of stuff. And he's like, well, I mean, you know, he was just the quarterback coach last year, so now he's the offensive coordinator. I, I think they're I think he's I think he's really bad. And I'm like, listen, you who don't know the half of it, because you can just sit back and enjoy Andy Reed. Like that yeah. you don't you don't get to complain about Matt Nagy. We only we get to complain about Matt Nagy. That's that's where I'm
2: going with that. But I'm not sure how many play calls Nagy's had making over there. Or if he is making play calls, Andy Reed is listening to those. And if he does, he's a no 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 no. Do this instead. I mean, yeah. it's, I'm sure there's a short leash on, on Matt Nagy over there in Kansas City. and Because that's, that's Andy Reid's show. It always has been.
1: Right. Exactly. So, all right. Well, we'll stick around for the YouTube audience and hit some questions up. Looks like we got a couple dozen over there. Uh, but if you're listening to the podcast, make sure that you're sticking with us. And we will see what we can make of this Chicago Bears <laughs> season. We'll see if they bounce back. Uh, you know, maybe not this week against the former champs, but you never know, right? That's why they play the games. And uh, we will watch it because we're contractually obligated to do so. Um, But uh, we will watch it if you don't want to and just, uh, you know, listen to us next week and we'll let you know how it went. Uh, And until next time, bear down.